Hi, and welcome to Herbology. I'm Anne. And I'm Kevin. And in this episode, we are, among other things, we'll be talking about uh, episode three of season one, Leaving on Your Mind. That's right. And this one was written by Brendan York, directed by Ron Murphy, and it aired April 15th, 2016. Whew. Lifetime ago. Ah, the early days. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about you, but it's like being with an old friend every single time I rewatch an episode. The, the, and I think all of you who are listening know this, the comfort level, the, just the simple joy, the smile, you know, it is just, you know, I don't know. I mean, not that it's not fun and and isn't like that, even just doing like rewatches here or there, be it episode ones or whatever, but, but certainly now that we're planning this with you and I, I mean, I just love when I sit down kind of with a purpose, you know, beyond just watching it. I just, uh, it's just so much fun to look forward to doing it. It is. And it's like, I, I, I kind of take it like, okay, am I going to find anything this time? And then I'm all worried and stressed <laughs> out that I'm not going to find anything. And then no I'm pressure, like, no pressure, no pressure. I know. And then, I'm, and then I feel like it's a little bit of a competition too, because I'm like, I hope I found something Kevin didn't find. <laughs> And when you start telling me how many pages of notes you have, and I have far less than I start doing the gulp, uh-oh, maybe I should have watched again. Maybe I need more notes. Ant's going to run circles around me. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I watched this one, I want to say three times this week. And then I, um, I just watched 410 today, too, uh, for the other podcast that I do. And um, it's just... It's even weirder now because I'm watching an early one and then I'm watching season four and just to see the differences in the cinematography, in how much they've, they've matured as actors, how they've matured physically. It's, it's just really kind of fun to watch. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it's got to be, you got to make sure you've got your notes separated there because if you've got those and you like trip and fall, all the pages fall in one pile, you're going to be lost. I, I was scared that that was going to happen. And that happened last week, but I edited it out because <laughs> uh, I was a little bit ahead of myself. But one thing, and this took me, and I'm always a little nervous to admit these things, but you know what? I'm not without flaws when it comes to this show. So I'm just going to be totally honest. I missed a bookend that was in front of us in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And it took me until this episode to catch up with. Do tell. And <laughs> what I missed was Doc's trailer at Bobo's is the same trailer he has when Winona goes to him in the cursed wedding dress in episode 412. Oh. So I went back and obviously at Bobo's yard, he, you know, someone spray paints some traitor. I can't remember exactly what they spray paint on it. So it's been cleaned up, but it's the same trailer. I went, (laughs) I went to 412 and I'm like, is this the same trailer? And I've often wondered where Doc lives. I've guessed that maybe he's lived above Shorty's. Um, he slept in I'm the like, woods, the barn. That guy's been everywhere. 
Yeah, he's been everywhere. But then in in season four, when he talks about how sometimes when he's cleaning his house, he watches Property Brothers. Mm, Yes. I don't know if he said house, but he's like, when I'm cleaning up. Yeah. But I was like, where does he live that he has to like tidy up? (laughs) I always just thought he squatted wherever he felt like it. But then I was thinking, has he been in this trailer this whole time? But no, he does give his keys back to Bobo. Yeah, no, we've seen him. We've seen him in other, I mean, uh, at other times, just literally sleeping in the woods. He's been in, in the herb barn. So, I mean, he may have had access to it and just not wanted to use it or, you know, I think or it's it, been a mixture. That's what yeah, I'm going Or it could just be like they needed a trailer for 412. Um, but I was glad to see the continuity of like the fact that it was the same trailer mm-hmm. that we saw in the beginning of the, of the, um, the series. Yep. Very true. Very true. And and now that we've delved into some things from 412, uh, we should probably do our casual spoiler warning here, folks, that anything and everything from the entire series uh, is fair game in our discussions if you're new to the podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, that's part of the fun, though, is, as you said, uh, having some of these things hit maybe a couple of episodes later, like the, the book ending at the trailer. That's a good that's a good one. That's a very good one. I was very excited. I was like, wait a minute. I have got to pull up the footage. <laughs> there you go. So I found myself uh, going into the, because my memory is not so great. Like I have a bit of it. And then I'm like, no, I can't remember exactly where it was. I mean, I knew exactly where this one was, but um, yeah. So I often go back and flip through them really fast to see. And that's the joy of either having it on Netflix or owning them like you and I do. And then also having that additional behind the scenes footage that comes with owning it. Yes. Yep. Yep. I got. I'm. I want it easily accessible wherever I might be. I mean, That's I love to. Love phone. To, <laughs> yes, I love to sit in a nice, comfy couch and watch it on the big screen TV, but also being able to, like you said, just pull it up on the phone and sometimes just check things out. Sometimes I just have to prove a, prove a point to someone. I'm like, no, no, I will get that. Give me two minutes. I will scrub through <laughs> and get to that point. <laughs> well, I know after we talked last time and talked about the. Uh, uh, tacos mentioned and and you weren't sure you remembered seeing it i mean i when i came across that gif of it i had to share it with you and that's half the fun sometimes yeah someone put you on is. the point now speaking of that first tacos mention i'm pretty sure in this episode we get our first donut here we go one of my bullet um, points <laughs> was it yeah <laughs> Uh, so I did go back and like, nope, I didn't notice it in episodes one and two, but we've got our first donuts. And as we all know, whiskey and donuts tend to be quite a thing with the Arpers. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You think? <laughs> I know that trailer uh, early on, too, when the show is just starting to kind of get out there, you know, that's got the whole bits from this episode. You know, I want them to tremble with fear before me. And, you know, dolls with this, you've got powdered sugar on your nose. I mean, how, you know, that's. Classic, classic Winona stuff, certainly. And this is our chance to see it all get started. She's trying to seem so tough and so confident. And the whole time she's just saying there with white powder on her nose. And he just <laughs> brings her right back down. <laughs> uh, he does. And that's half the fun. And then there's several points, too, in this episode where, you know, when he's getting a little too expositioning, Winona gets several chances to drop some really funny jokes on him, you know, kind of stuff that. I know I was missing 
very early in the watches and the stuff you have to put the closed captions on to kind of pick up. <laughs> but yeah, so just just watching Dolls' character start to evolve too is is really interesting here. We're just three episodes in and we're starting to see his character come through a little bit more. Yeah, but I also thought, and tell me what you think. I mean, based on what he did with the whole thing with Shorty and kind of sitting on the sidelines trying to find out what the Revenants could do. Um, and also even one of the scenes with Doc, with Waverly, it's all upset with her after she kind of wandered out to eavesdrop on him. I mean, I know because three episodes into this series, both Doc and Dolls, you know, to, to a pretty good degree, I was like, these guys are, you know, borderline a-holes. Yeah, I was not huge fans of most of the men in the series in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, maybe was purposeful to really have the the female characters come to the forefront but i mean nedley i just was not liking i thought he was just a real jerk i didn't like you know dolls uh like you said doc i definitely didn't like champ um the only one i really liked so far was shorty and then he didn't last very long (laughs) no he didn't but like you said probably a good plan to certainly get us focused uh, on you know all the female characters that were getting stuff done, and it's so hard to like to watch to watch now and I, like now I'm kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt, and I didn't I didn't have that foresight earlier. So then I was just like, oh, this guy's a jerk. No, I don't want you to like him. He's I can't see him in the future not being a jerk. I just don't see how he's going to redeem himself at all. But now knowing how all these characters progress, it's like I'm not as harsh with them as I was the first time through. And that's why it's for me jarring to see it because yes, we go we go into this rewatch loving. Certainly I do, you know, what they're all eventually going to become. So seeing what they're doing here, I just it really sticks out now. I mean, we know how much Doc plays all sides and you know, uses every bit of information to his advantage, no matter who it comes from. But, you know, seeing him be as mean to Waverly as he was. Oh, that whole scene is just, you know, you have sweet Waverly, who's just finds the good in everyone. Right. So, you know, this is coming after the scene where Waverly finds the photo in her research that falls to the floor and it's, it's Henry, but then she realizes, oh, this is Doc Holliday in this photo, the same guy I keep seeing. And uh, and then what happens is she she knows this about him, right? And then he she comes with her box of stuff and he's telling her that he's what does he tell her he's there for? He's doing like um Oh yeah, some type of research or something. Yeah, research like he's gonna write a book or something. Um in the olden days, so he needs, um, what does he say? Well, he's trying to get info on, you know, Stone Witch. So he's trying to see what she's got details on that. Right. And, but now she's seen this photo and she knows who he is. So she's oh, yeah. kind of playing the poker player here. And she's like, uh, doesn't she first pull out the photo of Big Nose Kate? Yeah. And how was and- that for a? tie into something later on and then um yeah he's he says he's writing a book on frontier life 
And so he's looking for the name and photo of someone once prominent in those parts. And um, it turns out it's a woman he's looking for. So then she shows him, you know, this paper has big nose Kate. And then she's like, you know, you might know this person. It was a longtime companion of a famous gunslinger. And she kind of raises her eyebrow because she knows who he is now, but he doesn't know she knows. And he's like, uh, no, no, that's, you know, that's not the person. And then she brings out that second paper and um, he kind of just looks at it, but he's like, no, there's, there's nothing there either, but she's can kind of tell that he hesitated. And that's when she notices that. And later on, she decides to like write some of these names down so she can cross check those later. Um, but what I like about that scene is how big nose Kate is brought up yep. right here in episode three. And then we don't go on to hear about her again until, I mean, it's still in season one, but it's later. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know. No, do we, when does she show up again? She shows up in blood red going down. I don't know what episode that is, but the, the vampire episode. Yeah. The big, what's that beginning of season three? Yeah. So then we finally see her there and then we don't end up getting her actual story until 306 if we make it through December. And that's when she tells Doc that, you know, listen, I've always been a vampire. And he's like, what? You've never told me this. And she's like, I literally said to you, Doc, I'm a vampire one time. And he's like, (laughs) we had a lot of opium. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then she's like, yeah, I remember that's why I couldn't have my photo taken and how I got this girlfriend of mine, Sally, to pose as the outlaw. And that's where I got my name, Big Nose Kate. And so I was just like, wow, they laid this down so early and then we wouldn't even go on to see any of that until later. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a cool thing. That was very cool. See, you can see that now. Yeah. (laughs) And and I know at the time it's like, oh, that's from, you know, from earlier, but I didn't realize just how much earlier that came up. Mm -hmm. So I like that. Oh, it's, and then, um, when Waverly is looking at that, it's like she writes down those names. It's funny because the names on that piece of paper, there's J. Hurst, C. Friars, there's like an A. McKenzie, a something Truman, and then Constance Cludy is circled, and then a B. York. But some of those names are names we know from the show. <laughs> and I love when they do those little things like that where there's stuff like that, or much later you'll see, you know, newspaper clippings that'll say written by, and it'll have someone from the show's name on there. Just all those little details that are kind of snuck in there. Yes. Yes. These are the, these are the wonderful little tidbits to find on, on any kind of a rewatch. And, you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known that watching back then because I didn't, I wasn't aware of all the other things in the show. I hadn't done rewatches. I hadn't started, you know, following the writers and knowing who the directors were and things like that. So there's little things that'll, that'll be lost on you until you start to really pick up on some of the, the finer nuances. Yep. Absolutely. This is why we talk so often about how much you can gain on rewatches, whether it's second rewatch, fifth, 10th, whatever it might be. Yeah. And uh, Nedley's office in the fandom is really good at finding some of these little 
tidbits, like hidden Easter eggs and not necessarily Easter eggs, but just the little details, like things from Nicole's desk or refrigerator magnets and all these different little things, the details that you might not notice on first pass. Part of the fun about bringing out even more from the episodes. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Going through now, I'm like, what, what can I find? That's like just something silly like that. Um, I want to go back and talk about dolls and how we were kind of talking about his character. I really like the whole dolls and Nicole thing where there's a look that Nicole and Waverly exchange when um, she comes into the BBD office and they exchange like these kind of cute glances and dolls reads it. He sees it. There's this look on his face where he's kind of like, what was, what's going on here? Um, and it seems like he's already a little bit tuned into this budding way hot relationship. Uh, and I like how we start to just kind of see that unfold. That it's like, we're the only ones, you know, the audience is tuned in that this is happening, but it seems like nobody else, but us and dolls are really aware of this, you know, blossoming romance. And we see it again. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily because he knows that Nicole's sweet on Waverly, but when he hands his phone to Nicole at the hostage situation and says that, you know, can you tell Waverly, you know, call Waverly and tell her that her sister's in a situation. And in that same scene where she's like, isn't that champ's truck? And he's like, Oh, you mean Waverly's boyfriend? And she's like, yeah, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of like, Hmm. And then um, again, later on at Shorty's wake, when he and Nicole are talking about the case and she's, you know, trying to get some information out of him and he's definitely not going to give it to her. Um, And he seems to notice the way that Nicole's gazing at Waverly from across the room. And then that's when she confesses to him that, you know, she said that she was glad I called. And he's like, yeah, I I bet she was. But it's so it's like, I think there it's like that little bit of glimmer that maybe he's not like the worst guy in the world because everything else is just kind of like cold and gruff and military with him. But then he has this little bit of, I mean, I I know he's also, he's a trained military person and U S marshal. So he's definitely going to be more attuned to certain situations, but he's catching on to things that other people aren't. So well, yeah, and that, <clears throat> excuse me, that's a lot to do, I think, is, is his skill at ob- observing people and situations. That's what we're certainly seeing a pretty good part of in the first few episodes, for sure. Um, yeah, beautifully played out, you know, scripted for, for us to be like him in terms of us seeing the interest between the two of them before other folks. And, and this is also what's going to start to develop early in the season, especially is going to be the oblivious Winona part of things. Um, you know, as time goes on. So that's part of the fun too, or for the things that he's seeing or we are, uh, we realize why Nona isn't, which is going to make for some great stuff, certainly, uh, you know, throughout the series, but especially here in season one. Yeah. But it is also the, the thing I try to remember too, while maybe getting mad at him uh, for some of the things he's doing is again, at this point, he's just here, you know, purgatory is just his next stop. You know, this is the guy who's, who's doing this work. Um, this is the next assignment. Uh, observe, learn, you know, be able to go back to the superiors, and maybe tell them some of the, you know, the rev heads can, 
use a spell to get out of the triangle. I mean, that's valuable information. As much as, you know, we ended up with Shorty as collateral damage, he is taking the big picture approach. And that's where it's interesting with him taking that approach. While naturally, Winona is going to be more of the, yeah, but these are people too, dolls. You know, these are friends, associates, and so forth. I mean, she, to me in this episode, I don't want to use the word conflicted, but we can, we get to see her um, putting herself out there uh, at risk by being willing to be a hostage to go into the situation, but also still having a bit of rolling her eyes at the local townsfolks and some of the other things that are going on. You know, when, when, uh, when they let uh, a couple of the hostages go and why not is the one like, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, because she's the one willing to stick herself in harm's way. Now, do you think he just like thought this was going to be an easy case? Like he just thought he was going to breeze in, get Winona to help him take care of this situation and then move on to the next thing. Like, do you think he thought it was going to be like an open and shut easy thing? Did I don't like, I don't think he realized the magnitude of what he was getting himself into. Yeah, Even I, though he knew about like monument and like the things that could come, I think he kind of underestimated what was actually going on in purgatory and the curse. And Well, I think what's going to happen in my mind, I'm not so sure if I think he thought it was easy, but I think he definitely wanted to be detached arm's length. I'm just here to observe and to learn and, you know, not really caring about a lot of the people. So I think that's one of the great things watching rewatching season one is watching him and everyone develop the relationships. I mean, a lot more of this, I've already got some notes on our, our next episode discussion um, that relate somewhat to this. So maybe put a pin in it a little bit um, because yeah, I think the, the things start to change and it, and it becomes less about what I can learn black badge and more about what is my experience with these people. Right. And I think too, like the first two episodes we were laying down the foundations of like what this lore is like we had talked about and we're establishing these characters and it was a little more action packed. And while we certainly had action in this episode too, I think this is when we really start to see like the emotional side of Winona and then the emotional side of Waverly as well, but definitely it's like we start to see those Winona crocodile tears that she can do where, you know, first we saw a little bit of it when she went to the gravesite of um, Ward and Willa. And I just, I don't remember her being so sad during that time. Like it was such a short scene, but watching it this time, I was like, you know, she was genuinely sad there. And she said, you know, she missed them both, you know, like so goddamn much or something like that. And I was like, it's just really interesting to see now that we know, you know, it Ward was still her dad, but we know he was just such an asshole. And then Willa too, and how interesting that whole storyline ends up being. Um, but just that she can, people can be these horrible people, but it, you're still going to miss them. And it's still like this sense of loss that she has. That's just so deep within her and just seeing, you know, her sit, sitting there just so emotional. It's just like, Oh, here we go. It's just going to keep coming from here. There's just going to be all these emotional Winona's that we're, we're just going to see the heartbreak over and over with her. 
Yeah, and she does. Mel does such a job at it. But you're right. I, I had forgotten um, how emotional she got there at the grave. It's like, um, how quickly. And then even a little bit there towards the end when Dolls has given the whole speech about, you know, how victories might actually look. You can see how much it's impacted her. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, that's as, as tough as she can be. And we'll certainly see plenty of that. Um, she She's always balancing the real emotional hit of a lot of these things and what they do to her. Right. Because it, it is, it is a big part of, of that. And her and Waverly have some very, very honest, quick statements at that point, talking about some of the things and, and Waverly kind of bounces back and is the one to say that, you know, she's one of the goods, you know, even though at this point their relationship still hasn't totally come back together after her being away, you know, why not being away for several years. So that was, that was subtle, but very, important i thought for their relationship right here and it's it's so much what we continue to see too is that you know one of them will doubt themselves and then the other one's right there saying like you know no you're the best of us or you know you're the hero we need and just all these uplifting time and time again where it's like they take us from these like emotional lows and then like raise us back up like and each other back up over and over again mm-hmm. it's yeah, their their chemistry together is just it's so fun to watch. Even early on when you start to see it, and it's, it's like it just gets so much stronger. Um, the the whole Shorty line, um, Robert Shorty Simmons, I guess was his name, and the scene where she has to, you know, the Rev is in Shorty, and she's just so torn about having to kill him, and then he says. It's, it's like that part where it's like the demons inside or the revenants inside him, but there's like these glimpses of, of Shorty coming through. And then finally, um, he's like, you know, they didn't kill your sister Willa, not at first. She screamed for days. Um, and, and that's just weird too, because it's like, did the revenant know that she was still alive? Because at first when he says um, they didn't kill your sister, he paused and I was like, did I miss this the first few times through where like, but then he finishes and then he says, not at first. And then he says, she screamed for days, but it, I, there's that missing time where we don't know when the seven took her, like, we don't know exactly where she went after that. Or we do, she went to the treehouse. Yeah. That's when Constance came in at some point there. Right. Upended so Robert's plan. So, so yeah, would they, he would have known that she was still alive, right? Maybe just giving false but I'm, information. But I'm sure that they don't want, being they, Bobo and Revenant, don't want her to know that. So he, like you said, he kind of caught himself because as, as we saw play throughout the episode, even when he mentioned he was heading towards Constance's car inside Shorty and, and he's like, yeah, I did my best not to kill you because I thought it'd be crueler and all that. So yeah, even dropping that information to her is, is his way to give another dig at her. Yeah, just to get just to, to her. Yeah, to get to her, even though it's going to force her to have to make that tough call. And, and, and she does like that. She struggles with that. And that's, you know, the other ones didn't like, didn't seem like much of a struggle. I mean, it was new to her that having to, to kill the revs. Um, but this one was just so hard for her. And that's where we really see like the waterworks come on with her. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I just think of like how hard that must have been for her because not only, I mean, it wasn't necessarily her first human because we still have Ward, but you know, she was just putting down revs and it was just like the, the means to an end where she's, you know, got this checklist and she's got to go through and she's got to get the seven and then she's got to get all the other ones after that. But here it's an actual human, you know, disguise, a demon disguised as shorty. And she knows that that's going to end shorty. Um, but not only is it her first human, but it's someone that they all really loved. And it's someone who was there for her. And we hear some of this, you know, talk where he's like, he really believed in her. And this is someone that she went to for help, you know, give me your best steed. And um, I was thinking too, that this is someone that was so special that even after he was gone and the bar changed hands multiple times, nobody ever renamed the bar, (laughs) you know, not when it was Doc's, not when it was Nedley's, they could have named it, you know, Doc's place or Nedley's place, but no, it always stayed shorties. And I was thinking if that was just like a true testament to how much this person meant to them all. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. I mean, aside from us as fans appreciating that consistency there, it certainly is something based on the impact he probably had. Again, in a small town like this, you know, uh, you can see that the impact each of these people has, even as strangers, so to speak, when you're in that small of an environment sometimes. So yeah, seeing why don't I have to kill basically Shorty um, for the sake of, of getting rid of a revenant who is going to, as he said, you know, wreak total havoc and kill innocents. Um, this is when we're starting to see it's not just black and white, not just killing bad guys. There's going to be times when this is tough. Goodness gracious, are we going to see that even more as time goes on? Uh, because I also found it interesting thinking of that scene just in the context of the four seasons we have so far too. Um, I, I think, you know, Marty here is one of the cruelest revenants that we're going to have throughout the course of the series. I mean, he's just killing things left and right revenant or human or whatever. He doesn't, he doesn't care at all. Um, so the, the, that juxtaposition of easy kill, as opposed to, I have to take out shorty for the sake of another one who's in there. It's just giving her even more to think about as we see. It's going to weigh on her. This is where we're starting to see things are going to weigh on her emotionally and mentally. Yeah. And like you said, too, like just like uh, the gravity of the different dynamics of the revs that some of them are really messed up. Some of them are, you know, simply people, as we'll find out later, that were at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um other people are like deeply rooted in the history. Uh, yeah. And like even their different stories that we, we start to find out, but yeah, like I was curious too, because like, why do they want to leave purgatory so bad? Like, are they running? Like, do they feel like they're running out of killing options? I think it's just a simple situation of freedom because they can't. Therefore, they want to. <laughs> Plus, no, it gives true. them less chance of being sent back down by the next door bear. Because this is also the episode where we get Waverly's wonderful presentation about the Ghost River Triangle. You know, what it is, you know, what, what, what sets the boundaries and, and all, too. How vast it is. It's bigger than we think. 
Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I'm that way. Like if I'm on an airplane and they say the bathroom's not working, that's exactly when I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. So just knowing that I can't <laughs> makes me need to go to the bathroom. So I, I uh, the it. human condition. Yes. Don't, <laughs> don't tell me what I can't do. Even if I wasn't going to do it now, I want to. No, that's all I can think of doing. <laughs> <laughs> Got to leave this triangle. And, and not to make too much of it, but I also found it very interesting in Waverly's presentation about the Ghost River Triangle and, and literally pointing it out that she mentions that it's a prison. And we come to find out it's a lot more than a prison. Right. Um, certainly first time through. Yeah, it's prison. That's right. Okay, everybody's stuck there until we find out that, you know, it's also keeping things out along with keeping things in. So that's an interesting little tidbit, too. Yes. Sure is a prison. It just gets even worse. It's all, <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> I also talk about just little things here and there. Found it interesting that when um, Bethany went to see Doc, mm-hmm. um, that Doc refers to her as an angel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but is she? She's not a rev. She just meets. Well, I just the the angel reference is just what ding 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 as we look for things sometimes that are there on purpose and sometimes oh, yeah. just to turn a I phrase because nobody's really talked about angels yet, have they? Nope. Nope. No. No. Hmm. <laughs> That's a good one. I yeah. didn't really pay attention to that. Yeah, just a little, you know, use of a word probably, but uh, looking for meaning. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. Um, we see too that you know Doc misses Waverly when she's spying on him in the um, trailer park. Well, we Boba don't know that yet, though, do we? No, we don't know that he's like that. He quote missed on purpose, right? So, but we again part we of him being now. the gunslinger. He only misses if he chooses to miss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the that's kind of the fun part of the whole story and again i love michael eklund as bobo in that scene when he's face to face with doc just doing anything he can to just get him all wound up because doc is so got to find the info on constance and he can still just manipulate him you know give him just enough information that he can't walk away even though doc wants to walk away from it all it's just beautiful the way he does it and just the little things too like that that make Bobo's so like icky for me. Like he <laughs> sniffs Doc's hat. Ah, yes. <laughs> and you know, later on he do- he goes on to do other things that I just am like, what why, Bobo? Why? And it's like, <laughs> well, that's exactly why, because I get this reaction from and I'm so curious to see if that like it's written in the script. Sniff Doc's hat. Like, is that in there? Is that just a how can I really just up the ante here? I know I'll sniff his hat. Like, I got to know. Someone who well, speaking script. of things in the script too, this also has the episode with the, the very much talked about and enjoyed line of Winona that Mel did uh, that I don't believe was in the script. You can let us know someday. Um, you know, not the, not the kind of penetration I'm used to. Line. Yes. As an ad lib. So, you know, having fun just having fun with bits and making them fit and as as these folks are learning their characters 
Well, and early on too, you know, this is episode three and to have that, you know, that tiny bit of play um, that just shows that they have an understanding of who these characters are. It's really kind of fun to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and I couldn't help too. My brain's kind of pinging in a bunch of directions here. Um, we also get a couple of glimpses for Winona's past. And not that we learned a ton about it yet through season four, but again, some stuff that, uh, you know, from her understanding hostage situations, when Dahl sends her in, you know, don't go to a second location, blah, blah, blah. That's some pretty specific knowledge to have. Uh, and then safe cracking, apparently. Right. You know, she knows the, the type of safe it is. She knows how to crack it. I mean, Come on, there's a lot of backstory there. I know there's so much backstory. We'd love to hear about her crime-filled, troubled days. <laughs> yes, the banditos and everything else, man. <laughs> and part of that too for me is um, this. So the scene where they're at the surplus shop, and she says, uh, "Yeah, this is a never move to a second location type of situation." That's when I suspected that someone one of the writers was a murderino, which is uh, the fan group that follows the podcast, my favorite murder. And I heard that and I was like, this is something that a murderino would totally say. Um, and then to find out, you know, much later in 409, when there's direct references where they say, listen up murderinos, let me talk about my least favorite murderer. And then there's a crime board. Uh, you know, it was all solidified. I think I was screaming at 409, like I knew it. Uh, <laughs> but I did find out before that through Twitter that, you know, Noelle writes for other crime shows and through a podcast, I heard Mel talking that she about that she actually listens to that podcast. Um, it was just something that caught my ear because I love when my interests collide. Um and yeah, you know, like you said, she had talked about, you know, being in a hostage situation before. And then she also, um, it's at this, I think it's at the scene with the van when they moved to the second location um, with the revenants that she's, she's zip tied, mm -hmm. but she breaks herself free. Yep. Um, and there's like YouTube videos showing you how to like do that. And it's really hard to do. I don't know if you've ever tried it for fun, Kevin, but it's really hard to do. So Not I'm on curious my fun if list. she actually I will did it. Your, yeah, I'll take your word for it. We'll but do yeah. it at a convention together. Kevin. It'll be a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> See which one of us can get out of zip ties faster. Oh, goodness. Okay. All right. Now I really do have to research this, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it for charity. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I was like, oh, this is Murderino written all over it. So that was a lot of fun for me. Now, another note, too, and sticking with my picking around the whole episode, uh, you already mentioned, you know, several of the lines that Nicole had in, in Dolls' presence to, to let us know of, his, of her interest in Waverly. Um, and I kind of find that fascinating on the rewatch side of it, uh, because, you know, we, we met Nicole, she made that bold entrance, you know, walking into Shorty's, talking to Waverly, making her interest well known. But she seemed like someone who would be very confident. And to see her kind of dropping that a little bit with these little things. Oh, it's Champ's car. Oh, she seemed pleased that I called. It's 
it, it's pretty obvious how quickly on, on very little interaction that she's really taken to Waverly this quickly. And, you know, and I know, I know it's got to fit a script, but I just thought that was, you know, I know I'm this in this episode, it just seems like it's moving very quickly for her. Oh yeah. She's in it. She's in it. She's like jealous, like, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately Jim's car. And then, um, just how, you know, when they, they see each other at the wake and, um, you know, she's excited to talk to Waverly, but then champ comes up and it makes it, you know, immediately awkward, but only for Nicole champ doesn't care. He's all over Waverly. Um, but she's just like in that situation where she's torn. Like, I really want to talk to her, but I don't want to infringe on this relationship she has. Um, yeah, it's fun to watch. It's fun to go back and watch, especially now that, you know, we know where everything is going. <laughs> yeah. I just keep saying it's fun now that we know where everything is going. Like, it was fun then too. It's just adds a different element to it. Yeah. I know. Just enjoying seeing it blossom and all. <laughs> I love the part and only because it's the way Mel delivers it. But when Wynonna and dolls are watching video of the guy getting his hand cut off and he's like, you know, you might want to look away because it gets pretty graphic. And she's like, oh, how, how dull is that knife? And they're cutting that guy's hand off. And then she goes, oh, he's going to miss his bus. Yeah. (laughs) I just just thought it's so funny. Like I shouldn't be laughing because like this guy just got his hand cut off, but oh, he's going to miss his bus. Yep, we're just getting more of an insight into Winona's character, along with the way Mel can deliver these lines. This well, and it's the also that, you know, that kind of humor where when you're in the line of work that she's in, it's that like, if we don't laugh, we cry kind of situation where it's like, you kind of have you to gotta have, have a little this. safety valve. You got to have a little way to let someone know. Exactly. You just have to. Yeah. But yeah, it makes her come across a little crass and misunderstood, but I love it. I love every bit of it. <laughs> We're here for all of it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that scene where um, Doc confronts Waverly and he's like, you know, what were you doing at Bobo's? You know, were you spying on me? What's going on? Uh, it's just like heartbreaking to see Waverly like she's barely knows this guy, but she already feels like betrayed by him and they don't really have like this huge relationship established. Um, but you can tell how she kind of, she's the kind of person who wants to see the best in people. And then she was just, she seemed just so let down by him. And especially knowing where she says, I know who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be a hero and Wyatt Earp's best friend. You're supposed to be here to help us. Oh. <laughs> yes yes and he's and just he's so mean to her he is he totally is and that's why it hurts even more um is watching him do that but you know to her credit she stands up to it pretty good you know it it bothers her it upsets her but she lets him have it back pretty good and it also changes the trajectory i think of some of his plans too because now that he knows that she knows, he has no choice but to come clean with my owner as he does at the very end of the episode. Right. He can't, you know, kind of work around that. So, you know, that's the con man, the card player, kind of reading the room and seeing what's going on. Um, and, and, you know, 
for many of us watching TV shows, and we're going to see it certainly here in season one with the, the whole plot of the seven, some of these shows take forever. I mean, that, that reveal of him actually being Doc Holliday, some shows that might take all of season one or, or a ton of episodes. I know we're getting it out here in season three because us as viewers already know it. Uh, much like the whole taking out the seven part. Um, certainly, I, I remember lots of conversations early on in the fandom in the first few weeks, like, wow, you know, I hope she gets to the seven by the end of the season. Heck, she gets there by mid-season. So I love that they're just burning through good plot, you know, giving us all the best stuff, not holding anything back. Well, and the fact that the story wasn't just about getting the seven, you know, it's like, I mean, we knew there were many more after that, but that was like her first tiny goal that she had made for herself. It's good to have goals, uh, <laughs> you know, just we're going to get those seven. She did it in increments, but then that even, you know, when the curse is over, there's more story. I, I like that. It's just this constant story and that we weren't trapped with like all the revenants just being tied to a story with Wyatt. Like they had lives of their own and stories of their own that we got those tiny glimpses of, even though it's wrapped in a bigger story, just some of those res and their tiny stories. I like getting those, even though, you know, you don't really want to root for the revs. It's like, it's just nice to tie that human element into it that at one time they were humans. And oh, we're going to get, went wrong yeah, we're going to get so lives. much more on that. Like you said, I love that part. Again, it's the whole, it's not black and white. I mean, even when we see with Fish and Levi later this season, Rosita, as you mm -hmm. said, wrong place, wrong time for many of these. We're starting to see the real human condition here. Um, and, and the way it feeds the story, the way it impacts Winona, it, it's great stuff to watch it happen. Yeah. You know? and, and when we get to where we get in season four, you know, how could we not get where we are? knowing that this tremendous amount of burden and pressure has been put on her day after day from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as she's going to break, once she does get the seven again, I think that's, that's going to be beautiful stuff when we get there, because again, I, I love that they didn't hold back on that. And I love that there was a big impact emotionally on Winona uh, in typical Winona fashion, mm -hmm. you know, drinking herself through it. And, and that's going to have, ramifications um you know cut right to towards so what happens at pussy willows and uh, everything there and the pregnancy so you know stuff tied together many different ways right um i'm pinging all over the place today too the um <laughs> again in that scene too where where doc confronts waverly and you know she's she's giving it back as good as she's getting and it's just so emotionally charged now, do you think he's so mean to her there because he's trying to like scare her away and protect her? I think number one, at this point, he's still protecting himself. Okay. Not that, you know, I, I I'd like to think <laughs> that part of it is just, he's just trying to scare her enough. So she doesn't follow him or dig too deep in any of this, but more importantly, he knows she could jeopardize, um, him getting the info from Bobo about uh, the stone, you know, the stone witch and all. So I, I think he's still protecting Doc first. And then once she shared enough info, so he knew that she knew, game plan changes. Right. Okay, and poker guys, okay, someone else has got an ace up their sleeve. 
I got to change the way I'm playing this hand. Yeah. And, but it's so interesting too. Like he doesn't, doc doesn't come into this world having the benefit of knowing their history, but they know his history. Like they know a good chunk of his history from history because he's been around forever. Right. But he doesn't know their history. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of interesting. And the way he was, you know, just verbally, you know, letting her have it and hitting a lot of these insecurities that she already has. And when she starts to add in, like, you forgot stupid, you know, it's like she already has some of these insecurities that come with her because of not feeling like she fit in or that she was special enough. And then to have him kind of like lashing out at her this way, it's interesting to see that he doesn't know that about her, but he can, he can make her feel pretty small pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, it's him using the information he has, us feeling bad about how he treated her, but also getting, like I said, a little bit of glimpse that she throws it back at him pretty decently too, which is a good sign of, of where we see she's eventually going to start to grow as a character quite a bit. Um, and, you know, sometimes got to get knocked down so that you can pull yourself back up and realize you can do better. You can be more. Other people's opinions don't have to define who you are. Right. How did you feel about that whole scene with Dolls and Winona at the wake where Dolls is kind of telling her, like, you know, don't worry, this feeling's going to pass and that all these victories have collateral damage and how she's just struggling so hard with that and how she's like, you know, working with you, you know, I don't know if I can look at, look at myself in the mirror mm-hmm. and, and it, yeah, see I think, where we end up. Well, and again, that's why I say, I think this is very much defining point and then watch from here, how their relationship develops as we move through certainly season one uh, into later, because again, it's, this is him trying to, I think very much put everything at an arm's length. This is just a case. The, you know, this is just pieces, you know, pieces of a puzzle, not people. And I'm, I'm not sure he is yet committed to her. And this is a great, <clears throat> excuse me, um, way where he does see the impact on her. And I think that is going to change some of what he's going to do as we move forward. So I don't like it. Like I said, we said early on, he's a dick, uh, certainly up to this point. And uh, we're not supposed to like him, I don't think. Um, you know, success. <laughs> but I think it also tells me that as we start to watch some of the interactions that are going to happen, you're going to see more of him seeing her rather than him seeing an asset. Well, and it's interesting too how, you know, they meet at this point and through time we start to see them both change and he becomes a little more feeling and she becomes more hardened. So it's like they have that effect on each other and the situation has the effect on both of them too that kind of flips them a little bit well again it's part of what's interesting in all of the character relationships on this show is is seeing some of the different things that happen that help to steer folks um from there you know what i'm saying you come in you come into a relationship where you're trying to read someone you're trying to read a situation that you're new at and you've got your own you know, shortcomings, you get your own confidence levels that you have. And then something happens that shakes them like this. Like I said, why well, saying she can't, 
I'm not sure she could look herself in the mirror. Dolls is very observant, even if he's a dick. <laughs> and I think him seeing this is going to help him to realize he has to adjust how he's going to do things. So in some sense, it's she is helping him to realize that he's going to have to do it a little differently if he truly wants to succeed in this situation. Yeah, it's so interesting, too, to see, like, just when you think he has this little touch of, like, sweetness, like, when he puts his hand behind her, her ear, like, kind of brushing her hair back, and you think, like, oh, that's, that was interesting, this little touch, and then we find out later he planted a tracker there. It's like, but... But was that like, it seemed a little too lovingly, like, where does his, where do his feelings for her start? Does it start this soon? Or is it later? Oh, I'm going to guess it's later if I, you know, if I had to jump in the psyche there, because I mean, we're also going to have that situation coming up in a few episodes where Winona has to go through that whole lie detector test. Yeah. And he doesn't really doesn't appear to initially stand up for because right. that that's a you know so I'm, and that's still happening. I mean, by the end of that episode, you know, he's kind of doing her a favor and getting her a pass on it. But yeah, he's this. It's going to take a while. It's not like it's it's an instant thing. It's going to take a while, and I do think some of the stuff that's going to come up in ep four has a little bit of a factor in this. That's why I say I think we'll come back to this conversation. I um, mean, there's definitely a physical attraction. I mean, it's Winona. How would you not enter town and be like, easy on the eyes? I mean, yeah, there's even, you know, she's flirting with Doc a little bit early in this episode at Shorty's, you know, trying to read him, trying to get some information. I mean, that's, you know, Winona also, in her own way, is always gauging situations and people and what they mean, too. So, yeah, that little dance bit, if you will, in relationships is, is just interesting to watch. And these folks, these actors do such a great job at it. It's just, you know, I'm excited to look forward to see it play out, romantic or otherwise, too, because you talk about, you mentioned it earlier, with, you know, not even like Nedley very much yet, because we've had so little bit. I, I just start thinking about the way that the Dolls and Nedley relationship develops, right. um, especially later this season, as we're going to start to see the other side of Nedley a little more. So can't wait to see these things play out again. Well, I'm curious too, like if I'll be able to look now and be like, you know what? I think that's when I definitely started switching my flip on how I felt about certain people because there were plenty of people in the show. I did not like, like the majority of the people I did not like in the show. Like I like the characters for sure, but like they weren't my favorite. You know what I mean? Like I was the, the, like I said, the ladies, I was always a big fan of the ladies. No surprise here. Um, but like how some of them shift for me and when I'll, I'll be curious to see if I can identify those markers now going back. <laughs> like, oh, that's when I knew for sure that I liked Doc or what have you. But it's interesting, isn't it, though, when you're watching a show or a movie, whatever it might be, and you come in early part of it and you get exposed to a character. And your mind can't help but start to make judgments before you have a lot of info on. And in, in this case of how we're doing this podcast and this discussion, we have all four seasons. We know the end point. And now that we're going back to the beginning, like you just described, we want to, or much like you, in the same way, and as each of these different relationships, even talking a little bit about Nicole a little earlier, 
I just, it gives me a fresh look to now look like you said, as each episode passes, Oh, was there a big milestone here? Was there, is this where that relationship shifted for the better or the worse? Um, you know, how is that going to impact things? And that's where it's just, Oh, I'm just so excited to start looking at those. Well, right. There's the, there's the big shifts that, you know, everyone's supposed to pick up on, but it's like, are there these little nuances that were like, okay, if we were to really analyze, could that have been like the great, you know, right? The kernel right there, the spark in the eye, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's very <laughs> fun to look at that from that perspective. Um. And then Doc in the homestead at the end, when he, first of all, is in her house. And that's not just, I mean, she's a little disturbed by it, but not nearly as disturbed as I think she should have been. I do not think they are on the relationship level where he should be able to just be in her house when she's not there. This is disturbing. Uh, And that's when he properly introduces himself himself and he says that, you know, yeah, you can tell your sister she's right. You know, I was friends with your great great grandpappy. My name is John Henry, but most people just call me Doc. Winona Earp, I'm at your disposal. And she's just like, oh my God. And it's also funny too, because it's like, and that's not weird because it's not weird because they're revenants, they're demons coming back from the dead. So, of course, why wouldn't this 150 year old man who lived during the time when my great great grandfather lived also just be here like Must be Tuesday. Just, yeah exactly <laughs> and and i thought it was funny too um when bridget asked in the postmortem for this episode why they went with this direct approach for the reveal of doc and that they didn't drag it out longer like you had talked about and emily said we personally didn't want to drag it out because he's listed in imdb as doc holiday <laughs> And she goes on to say, you know, I think audiences today are sophisticated. uh, And one thing we really want to do on Winona Earp is burn through story. We move pretty fast and we promised a fast paced action show. And that's what we're doing. Yep. And not a lot of shows can say that. Certainly not 2016 timelines. Right. Let's face it. A lot of shows, they want to milk a storyline. They want to make everybody wait. So, yeah, that's, you know, that's one of the great things about this one is you've got to be you got to be ready for it to move. And they've been able to do that. Um, and also in that <clears throat> um, behind the scenes, um, you know, video portion for this one, I really liked that you had Tim and Emily and Mel kind of talking about the doc and why known a retraction and how they're both broken hearing about it. Now that's kind of probably why they both kind of see that here. And boy, are we going to see that in a roller coaster ride for the next four seasons? Yeah. And Doc um, or Tim also talking about how, you know, I don't know, do we trust Doc? Do we not trust Doc? You know, he's a poker player, like we've talked about. Yeah. And it's three episodes in, and there's a lot not to like still. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I know what happens, and I'm like, I don't know what season or episode three if if I do trust him at this point, even knowing what I know, like I want to give him the benefit of the doubt at this point. And I'm like, I don't know if I can really say that at this point in time, he was what we would say is the good guy or the bad guy at that point. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell because he's really in a self-serving situation right now where he's just hell bent on revenge and he's got to find this person he's talking about. 
and we get a glimpse, you know, we hear some talk about the stone witch um, and we, we see what we eventually find out is her car. But at the time, we don't know that that pink Lincoln that pulls up is, is her, do we? Not beyond the Revenant saying, you know, she's come through and she's my ride. Yeah. You know, so that's an assumption off. we make. Yeah. But she's out of there once things, once Winona starts killing Revenants left and right. And I forgot too, like the whole scope of what she can do. You know, just thinking about that, you know, she told them the Revenants about this curse and they gather these things that they'll be able to cross. I wonder if it was true. Or if she was just telling them that. <laughs> yeah, good question, because we never really do deal with that in the future, do we? No. So, I don't know. That stone witch, she's going to come in and she's going to stir some things up. Oh, isn't she? You bet. <laughs> yeah, we are going to have some fun talking about some of that connection and all that, and Doc and his vengeance and his singular focus on that, and what happens when that finally comes right in front of them. Yeah. And just how much of that groundwork was laid that I didn't pick up either. You know, mm-hmm. last episode where Bob was talking about the digging. I mean, that's not going to come into play until a bit yet, but it was right there. Yeah. He was just so busy with his digging company. We didn't know what he was looking for. Yeah. We had no idea what the devil, all these references to dig mean yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right over our heads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I was struck with too in the in the Bridget's postmortem with Emily, uh, you know, talking about some of the characters this early on, um, her her, you know, and talking about some of the characters going to develop actually and all. Um, I, I found this just again knocked me over with a feather kind of deal. Now that we've seen the first four seasons, but but when she talked about uh, the character of Waverly. Um, she said, quote, Waverly is finally going to start to consider what she wants, who she is, and worry less about being who the townspeople think she should be, end quote. You know, again, the growth of that character and, and what Dom brings to it. Goosebumps, just thinking about that this early on. When I read that, I read that today, and I was thinking like, how much was Emily dropping in these postmortems that nobody <laughs> even picked up on? Because yeah. that's basically she's saying exactly what happens later on where Gus is like, you know, sometimes you know, who you are and who you, who you, who we want to be and all this stuff. It's like basically what Emily was just saying in this postmortem. <laughs> it's what comes up later. Yeah. But oh, it's she so is, vague. She's a master and, at it. Yeah. The tease. It's like, we didn't know what was coming. Oh. Nope, but she's basically saying it right there. Yes. Yeah. That's why I say reading that again. Wow. We start thinking of everything that's going to happen this season, next season, season three, season four, all of it. Wow. Yeah. And it's fun to piece it together with these, these postmortems, like, mm-hmm. like you said, because it's, you take it from that time and place where this yep. is happening right at that time, match it with that episode and, and go from there. So. Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. It's a blast. It is a blast. And I literally can't remember like what even comes next. Like, <laughs> I think I know what comes next, but I'm like, I don't, was that that episode or not? Like ones where it doesn't end in a cliffhanger. I can't exactly remember where we go next. 
for me, some of it is the individual scenes. I remember generally what what transpired. And I want to, like you, I'm not just talking big cliffhangers or, or big moments, but there is so much subtle stuff that you see that is just part of the canvas of what's happening and, and how it's moving. That it's just, it's so much fun to go back. Like I said, for me, it, it was just very much seeing the, the, the nice way that Kat was bringing out Nicole's interest in Waverly. Aside, aside just from the, and, and maybe I'm not really just articulating this well. I mean, we see it on screen with from the comments about the, you know, Champ's truck and uh, telling dolls, you know, how much Waverly appreciated her leaving message. It's just the way that she brings it out and uh, how she's doing it. And again, knowing where their relationship is going to go. I don't know. It's just, it's just such a joy to, to focus on that for just a little bit of the time of watching the episode and, and tie the, a couple of times something happens in this episode into one, one part well, of it. Yeah. Just like these subtleties and, you know, sometimes they're not subtle and sometimes they are, but um, again, with the Nicole and dolls, you know, watching where I feel like he's like the original way hot shipper where he's kind of like in tune with it. Um, but also then I'm looking at it going, is this, you know, they started off really rocky where she knocks and he's like, you know, if you don't knock, I'm going to have you arrested for treason, even though she did knock and or Winona's like, dude, she knocked. Um, so we start out where he's just like really a jerk to her there. But then we have these like tiny little moments where they're kind of almost bonding, but not quite there. It's almost like Dolls has never had a healthy relationship with people in his life. So he's not even sure how to do it. Maybe he hasn't based on what we find out with his BBD history. Um, but so I look at it now and I'm like, the the working relationship and friendship that they ended up with, like, was this part of that tiny seed for them, that tiny foundation that's starting to build, just these tiny talks about Waverly and how she was excited. Like, to, he could have had Nedley call. He could have said, Nedley, call Waverly and tell her about Winona. Mm-hmm. Did he purposely have Nicole do it because he knew she liked her? It was like, here's a way to call her. Yeah. Know. Well, and we find, like you said, we find out later there's a respect between the two of them because, you know, they're law enforcement to a degree. Right. So, and it's I like think, like you said, he's, he sees the, the budding relationship potentially and, and he you know, this is his, like you said, his way to to get in a much more comfortable spot with her, as opposed to the fact that he and Nedley, being the air quotes bosses, are going to have to butt heads and disagree. But this Nicole can be his. Uh, I don't want to say informant, but you know, a way in, you right. know, things like that. But, but this is dolls a little bit too, working relationships there, and to see too that. They, Nicole and Winona don't really have anything yet. Oh There's goodness, really no, no. <laughs> anything going on with them as far as a relationship? And we're we're still in oblivious Winona stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's going to be a while before that starts to go somewhere. Yeah, interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. fun times. Um, 
And we've we've had a few comments this week come across, haven't we? Didn't someone write in and have a theory they wanted to talk about? Yeah. Share with us. Yeah, we've as we said, we've greatly appreciated you some of you folks reaching out on Twitter and such. Um, you know, letting us know you're looking forward to podcasts and 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 all. It's wonderful to see. And yes, we did have a, an excellent email that came in from KC. Um, and and here you go, folks. Kind of kind of run with this one because uh, it was certainly interesting to see this. Um, KC shared and said to pull the thread at the end of season two. Waverly proves she and Alice are not revenants by crossing the GRT boundary. But wouldn't the fact that they could both be on the homestead land with the Amalite there now? Doesn't that prove they weren't revenants? Otherwise, wouldn't they have been thrown off the land? Just one of the many thoughts I've thought of during my rewatches. <laughs> and that's a hell of a point. That is a really good point. I've never thought of that before. Never thought of that. Never thought of that. Casey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is why I love the community. Again, no matter how many rewatches, how many thousands of tweets many of us have looked at over the years <laughs> in conversations on topics. Hadn't heard that before. Yeah. And I don't know if like if through watching it, if we'll see something like, oh, no, it's because this shifted or this hadn't happened yet. But. Yeah, mm. that is a thread that's <laughs> very loose. Pull the thread. Just begging to be pulled. <laughs> and I'm kind of glad I hadn't thought of it until now. <laughs> yeah, this is what we say. We love the observations from all of you. Yeah, and if you if you have a you know a thread you want to pull, or <laughs> uh, just even the tiniest of things that you you know pick up, like somebody's name on an envelope or in a newspaper clipping that ties into the show that maybe we have seen before, or um, maybe not. You never know until you bring it up with us. You can email us at herpologypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can uh, tweet us a, a DM on Twitter at herpology underscore pod. Um, and you can also check out our website, which is herpologypodcast.com. Yeah, any of the methods, wherever you're comfortable. Like we say, folks have been using just uh, public tweets, DMs on Twitter, emails, like a couple other very nice ones we got too. We appreciate all of them, folks, really. That's part of big part of why in. And I love doing this is aside from getting together, bouncing it together. It's when the whole community gets involved and throws some stuff at us, just makes it that much more fun. It is fun. And uh, we had some great emails from Alex and Anne Marie this week. We love getting those um, again. Shout out at us anytime. You know where to find us. And we love hearing from you. And uh, you'll hear from us next week. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about that next one. I already got notes next, in advance. <laughs> is the next one the creepy blade guy? Yes. <gasps> oh, that one. But okay. it's not it's not the creepy stuff that I want to talk about. I'll, I'll leave it at that so as not to get ahead of myself. That's all I'm remembering off the tip of my head was how creeped out that guy made me. But So I'm curious to see what will happen when I go back. <laughs> I have yes. big feelings about that guy. <laughs> Save it for next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Bye. Have a great week, everybody. Take care. <laughs>